Good afternoon, and welcome to Meet the Artist Interviews. My name is Kirsten Gam, and I'm the registrar at San Francisco Ballet School. This program is being presented by the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. Today is Sunday, March 6, 2011. We are broadcasting from the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House. This interview is being podcast, so I'd like to not only welcome our listeners here in the audience, but our podcast listeners joining us as well. Most of the Meet the Artist series will be available as podcasts on our website at www.sfballet.org, with new installments being posted every week. Today, it is my sincere pleasure to be speaking with soloist Alana Altman. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Alana was born in San Francisco and trained at the San Francisco Ballet School beginning at age nine. Uh, she was named Apprentice in 2000 and joined the company as a member of the Corps de Ballet in 2001. Alana was then promoted to soloist in 2005. Uh, Ms. Altman has performed in numerous roles uh, in the ballet at San Francisco. Uh, to name just a few, because the list is so extensive, but a few of them, beginning with Mr. Thomason's ballets. Uh, she performed as Snow Maiden in Swan Lake, Myrta and Giselle, Lilac Fairy and the Sleeping Beauty, uh, Mercedes and Don Quixote, the Sugar Plum Fairy and Snow Queen in Nutcracker. Lana has also performed in numerous balancing ballets, such as Allegro Briant, Apollo, Divertimento Number no. 15, The Four Temperaments, Serenade, Stars and Stripes, Stravinsky Violin Concerto, Symphony in C, Theme and Variations, Who Cares? And remember, I'm just abbreviating right now. Uh, Alana was cast as Firebird in Yuri Posikov's Firebird and has performed in several works by other choreographers such as Foresight, Cadelco, McMillan, Morris, Robbins, Tudor, and Wielden. Wow, Alana, that has impressive. been 11 years. So. <laughs> Nonetheless, quite impressive, and I know I, as well as many of you, probably have really enjoyed seeing her in a number of these pieces. Uh, if I may, just take us back a little bit. I know that you uh, joined the ballet school um, at age nine, uh, and if I'm remembering correctly from some past interviews, you began dancing at age two that you started studying. Uh, so when you made that transition, um, nine into the school, was it still out of enjoyment as a little girl, or did you already have a sense that maybe something this was something you were going to pursue um, more seriously and was thinking already of going down that path? Uh, well, yes, I started, uh, you know, jumping over ropes to music at age two. That was the, the ballet class at the JCC. And then um, my teacher there had her own school. Her name was Peggy Mahagian. And so I, I started um, a little bit more, like we learned the positions, we learned like basic bar. But um, by the time I was nine, San Francisco Ballet was, I mean, I was going to see shows. I saw the Nutcracker every year and that was my dream. So the only choice that was to go to was to try to go to the school and actually back then you didn't even have to audition I just showed up I think <laughs> so um, 
And I still continued with Peggy, actually. I did both and, and would do her little shows because we actually got to um, do very interesting theatrical performances. So I stayed uh, with both as long as I could. And um, I don't know if it was necessarily to at, at nine if I knew that like what I was doing now would have me sitting here today. So um, I don't think it was, oh, I, yes, I'm definitely going to have a ballet career. But I just knew that what I saw up there was the most beautiful thing in the world. So Wonderful. Do you uh, remember some of those first performances you did as a student on the stage with a company? Well, yeah, that's the best thing about being in this school is you get to see the company, you get to work with the company. And um, when I was, well, we did Nutcracker every year. I started as a, um, under the skirt, Mother Ginger's skirt. And, um, and then I was in, I was one of the little garland girls in the Sleeping Beauty. And then, uh, you know, 10 or so years later, I was one of the big garland girls when I was in the company. And I saw those little 10, 11 year olds and it was, it was pretty special to remember that that's where I came from. And, um, and then when I was 16, 17 in the, in the upper levels, I got to learn like La Bayadere and Giselle and um, some of the other full lengths that they, they need a big core. So, um, as a as a student already, I was learning how to you know stay in line and and follow the the core members who knew what they were doing and that sort of thing. So it's a really it makes the transition a lot easier to be able to work with the company before you actually get the job. Um, I'm sure you couldn't truly prepare for that transition from student to company until you were actually in the company. What was that biggest? Um, transition or change that you noticed from the student life, even though you were so familiar with the company here, but once you finally joined the company? Oh yeah, it is, it is very different because um, I think the, the biggest thing is, is as a student you have your teachers that are constantly um, like jabbing their fingers at you or, or in, a, in a less literal sense, just watching over your every move and, and guiding. And um, once you join, become an apprentice, join the company, you're, just, you're one of you know, 70 other people and there's no, there isn't that individual like guidance, somebody walking around with your every move, making sure you know what to do. So it's a huge learning experience and um, puts everything on your own shoulders to, to figure out how to, how to be, you know, how to work in, in company class and how to, what you need to do for your rehearsals, what you need to do for your point shoes and just everything. It's, it's a lot more individual and um, yeah, on, on your own. But it's okay if you grow from that. <laughs> when um, you were a young student, I imagine you looked at the older students in the school and kind of admired them and, and maybe some of the company members. Did you have that same experience when you first joined the company of kind of looking up to, to some of those veterans in the company and you know, either asking questions or observing or kind of that mentorship? Was that something? Oh, absolutely. But the, the most amazing thing was like all these 
beautiful ballerinas that I've been watching since I was a kid. Now I was in the studio with them, and so like Evelyn and Joanna and Tina and Kristen and Katita, and they, they were all like at the at the prime of their careers, and I remember from them from when I was a kid. So in a way, I was probably just really starstruck. I don't think I talked to them that much at the beginning, that's <laughs> for sure. But um, over the years, it's it's eased up, and now I definitely enjoy talking to them like regular human beings, not like those up on the pedestal. But. Well, what's really fun for me um, in my role as a school is Alana is this person now for all of our young people. I have this beautiful photo of her hanging in my office, and uh, those eyes widen every time a, a young one comes in and sits down and thinks, uh, this is who I'm looking up to now. And, and watching and seeing. So it's it's so wonderful for us as an organization to really see it come full circle. So that's that's certainly been a treat for us. Um, are there any of those roles that maybe you danced early on uh, as an apprentice or corps de ballet, which now as a soloist you're given other challenges, but some of those early roles that you might miss um, doing or that were really special to you early on? I, I mean, as you said, I've danced so much. It's really hard to remember everything. Um, the first, the first few things I learned in the company definitely gave me like a, made an impression. Um, we did some Balanchine Symphony in C and Symphony in Three movements, and um, we, just coming back to Symphony in C last program, I feel like yeah. It, grown quite a bit from from before but also there was a ballet um Larle Cien that we did and the music is so beautiful I remember really loving that one and um Celts actually I remember uh I don't think I ever got to do it I think I just learned it but it was it was really fantastic and it would be interesting to see that one again um, I know that you're also doing um, some work outside the studio, pursuing your degree as part of the LEAP program. Can you tell us just a little bit about your participation in that program and, and how you're able to balance all that while still having your career here? So um, I graduated high school uh, from university high school, which was really, really important for me that I did that. and. Um, and it was, it was quite a lot of hard work and extra classes on my own because um, my senior year in high school, I was already an apprentice. So I didn't step, set foot into the building, but they let me graduate with my class. And so then for four years, I didn't do any school. I was just working on being a dancer. And um, my high school friends then graduated college four years later. And I realized that I needed to get back in there. And um, so I, I started the LEAP program, and it's so fantastic. They bring school to us every Sunday um, at a hotel down on Market Street. And so you, you go through college one course at a time. So it can take a really long time. But um, I don't feel like there's that big of a hurry because this is for my transition when I'm done dancing. And um, so, yeah, I just want to get a degree before I retire. So I think I, I think I have some time. But um, 
I'm actually quite a bit uh, of the way through it. I've been working on my senior project right now, which is a study of nutrition related to dancers' injuries. And I actually surveyed my colleagues and um, put together like a study. And I'm in the finishing weeks right now. So <laughs> it's kind of hard mid-season. I, I, I wanted to time it so that I'd have um, dancers like performing so I could ask them questions while they're performing. But then that means I'm performing too. So it's hard to get the work done, but it's okay. Even though you're, you're still in the midst of completing that project and probably in some of the preliminary stages, have you uh, found an interesting connection or, or maybe something you were surprised to find between nutrition injury prevention? Um, well, I can't say that I, find, I found like a solid, um, this type of nutrition, nutritional aspect directly relates to that type of injury, but it was really, it was really, positive and positively surprising to find that this company really knows a lot about nutrition and they take really good care of themselves and um, and their diets are really well-rounded and they have a ton of great advice because one of my questions was what piece of advice would you give to a young ballet student and um, so it's not the stereotypical like uh, diet coke and cigarette diet so um, which in a lot of the studies I read, that's, that's what comes up. And so my study found different results. So, I mean, there's still lots of injuries, but that's probably because we work really, really hard. And it's not necessarily diet related. Great, well, that's excellent to hear. And hopefully that does mean we see many more years of this lovely company since they're taking such good care of themselves. Um, today, the audience is here to see program three, and although you won't be performing today, um, on the other evenings, you perform in Artifact Suite. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about your role in that piece, and um, just a little bit about Forsyth's work, if anyone is not familiar with his style? Um, my role is the single female figure, and we actually call her the Mud Woman, because um, this is Artifact Suite, the shortened version, but in the full length, it's a full length uh, evening work. In that version, she's covered in mud and she does um, a little bit more of like emerging from the ground through like a trap door. And there's, there's more reference to her being like really earthy. And um, so in this abbreviated version, we don't get covered in mud, but um, we, uh, Mary Ellen Olson is doing it today, and we we represent a more um, ancient type of person, and with a with a more archaic vocabulary that we're trying to communicate to the rest of the group. So um, we use these hand motions and um, kind of symbols to communicate and and sometimes they're following us sometimes they're not so it can get frustrating to try to communicate when people aren't listening to you and um, and throughout the ballet our vocabulary evolves and gets more complex and more decorative as we as we as a culture or whoever humanity evolves and um, 
this is all, this is my interpretation. I mean, I was told stuff like this, but, it, but you, you get to kind of make it your own too, which is a great thing about this part, is that it is all improvisation. There is not a single like choreographed step. So you have your, your vocabulary, but you do it in any order, any which way, any musicality like you want. So, um, so it definitely takes on a very personal look. And the way I do it, it's going to be different from the way Mary Ellen does it. And Muriel Moffray did this role before, and it's very different from the way she did it, too. So, um, but it's such, um, so amazing to have that freedom in a part and, and very scary at the same time, because too many options can sometimes be daunting. But um, so that's what you're going to see this afternoon. And then um, so the first half, she's a little more, I guess, like simple in her vocabulary. And then towards the end, it builds as the group. Everything they're doing builds as well. And I think it's a great compliment for each other. How do you um, prepare for a piece like that? Or how difficult is that for you, especially with such a large improv element versus um, like a Roland Giselle that you've seen performed over and over again? And is your own rehearsal process different and preparation style different than when you're doing a, a more traditional full-length work? Well, yes and no. Um, yes, in that practice just makes it better. So, um, but it's different because every time you do it, it's going to be something different. So, in in all the other ballets, you practice them over and over, but you know what form you're doing. And this, it's hard to make yourself just go, just start. Just do it, and then. But once you start, then it feels more comfortable, and more and more it builds, and you get you get used to it. And so, in that way, it's the same. You just have to repeat so that your body your body learns what to do. Your body feels more comfortable. And so, during the show, like when when I'm getting ready to, for the second part, um, I'm just doing all of these movements in the back just over and over and over and thinking about certain ones more than other, or like, oh, there's that one, did I forget about that one, or there's that one, and so just puzzling all, them all together. That's how I warm up for it. And um, hopefully I'm not mistaken, but are you doing another part uh, later on in the week in that piece? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually doing one of the duets um, for the first time on Wednesday. And it's, it's a really, really special part for me because um, when this ballet, when we premiered it, I don't know, four or five years ago or something, like ever, ever since I saw it, I was like, oh, I really want to do that part. And I was very happy with my Mud Woman part because it's so different and challenged me in such a new way. But um, this one totally challenges me too. So um, I'm just, I'm really elated that I get to do it. Uh, this time around. Great. We now have time for a few questions if anybody would like to ask Alana. Yes. Sure. The question was um, if Alana could um, give us a little more information about the LEAP program. 
It's uh, through St. Mary's College of California, and it was founded by a former dancer, and um, Claire Sheridan, she um, came up with the idea that dancers deserve a college degree while they're dancing, and worked with St. Mary's, and um, so they offer a core curriculum of uh, mostly liberal arts. It's a liberal arts degree, so mostly um, like writing and reading critical thinking classes, and then we do electives of like math and kinesiology, and and once we complete the the ten core, then we get our other credits through either online classes or um, like UC Berkeley extension or something. Or, and then they also give us 30 credits for um, being adults back in school. So having life experience and um, career experience. So we, we take a class that is called um, experiential or constructing knowledge. It's um, when we write experiential learning papers and they're uh, like 10 to 12 page papers about a certain topic that we're saying technically we could teach a class on this because we've actually lived through it, like dance injuries, athletic, athletic injuries, or um, American subcultures or something. Actually, a dance company is considered a subculture. And so we know that better than some um, professor or like if, if by being in that world, um, you know so much about it that if, if we can articulate it into a really well-written 10, 12-page paper, they want to give us the, the college credit for us for it. So um, just if anyone didn't hear it in the back, um, the role of the mud woman, just to clarify that yes, that is indeed all improvisational and if the core then is following um, as we're watching it. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, when the curtain goes up, she's front and center back to the audience and um, on a certain count, the entire core turns and looks at me and then the next count, I move an arm, and that's the only one that they know. <laughs> and then after that, it's whatever I feel like doing on the music, like the, the woman that said it said, you know, sing the music with your arms. So if it's sharp music, you do sharp arms. If it's soft, you can do soft arms, but it's all up to me and they have to, that, that they have to completely be focused and um, I think the reason that Forsyth did that is it creates this insane intensity on the stage and nobody can check out because sometimes that could happen if you've done the part a thousand times and you're bored and you, but nobody, everybody has to be paying attention and so it, it creates this field of energy on the stage that um, actually gives drives the, the couples too because they're the ones doing the insane movement throughout that while we're moving our arms and so yeah I hope you enjoy that <laughs> see it a different way yes sir
the question is, is the Padada and Artifact Suite improvised? With a partner, yeah. Um, well, most of it is not. Most of their moves are choreographed. But there are certain parts, actually, that aren't, that are improvised. So the guy offers his hand, and the girl takes it and does something, and then he has to play off of that in the next position that he offers, and then she takes. And so it, it um, actually, like, probably three or four places maybe more um, in the duets, there are improvised, improvised sections. And um, the, in the second half, there's called the Padada for No One, and um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, one of the duet couples. Um, it's completely improvised, actually. But they don't really dance together. They dance um, playing off of one another. So they look at each other for, oh, what did he just do? OK, now I'm going to do that. So then he looks, what did she do? But they're not actually like touching, so it, it, it's, it's slightly different. But yeah, when you see that, you'll know that they're just making it up on the spot. <laughs> The question is, how unique is this improv structure in ballet? Well, um, I think for our company, it's rather, it's rather unique. And yeah, because I don't think before Mud Woman, I had ever done anything like this. And, but for Forsyth and, and the people he works with all the time, like it's very common. And in other, in other dance, more contemporary dance companies, it's very common. So um, it's all just what you're used to, and it doesn't have to be like daunting or scary, but the more you do it, the, the easier it gets. Uh, before I open the floor to one last question, I want to make sure that we s save time to uh, discuss the things that you're currently rehearsing so that we know when we will be able to see Alana again in performance. Would you just tell us what you're you're working on now for the rest of the season? Um, coming up next is Coppelia, and we're already rehearsing that. And, um, and then next week, I actually start rehearsals for program six and seven. I'm in uh, Underskin, that's coming back. And um, the new Wielden premiere. And then we have The Little Mermaid, of course, at the end. Uh, the question is, are the movements of the curtain improvised as well? That's a great question. And no, actually that has very specific music that it's supposed to be on. So um, it's funny, I've, I've heard it so many times with the music that now when I'm just listening to the Bach by itself, I, can, I know when the curtain, like I can hear the curtain in the music. So yeah, that, that's supposed to be very um, on time. I think we have time for one more question. Growing up, uh, was there a time for other hobbies or interests besides ballet? Um, yeah, I was kind of a crazy kid. I tried to do everything. Um, along with ballet, I, was, I took gymnastics and piano, and I did running club for quite a few years. And um, that didn't last too long. 
because <laughs> by like uh, 14, yeah, 14, I was doing ballet pretty much straight after school for many hours. Well, it's been a pleasure for all of us to, to see you growing up over the years. We hope we get to enjoy you for many more. And thank you so much, Alana, for being with us today. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Thank you all for joining us. And please uh, check out our website, sfballet.org, for our podcasts. And also please check out our blog. Thank you. Thank you.